Before we get started, today's episode is brought to you by We Believers. That's W-E-E as in tiny. Visit webelievers.com for fun and faith-filled toys for your little ones. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 46. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and this is part two of a five-part series on mom self-care. Today's episode is with Lorraine Bennett, co-author of six books, including The Temperament God Gave You. In this episode, we're talking about what the temperaments are and how knowing our temperaments, our spouse's temperaments, and our children's temperaments can help us better care for ourselves and our families. To hear a bonus episode with Lorraine and other past guests, be sure to support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash diapersanddisciples, or you can check out the link in today's show notes. Thanks for considering skipping one latte a month to help bring encouragement to mamas worldwide. And thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Lorraine. Hi, Lorraine. Thanks so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Amber, for inviting me. Um, Maybe we could start out and you could tell us a little bit about you and about your family. Sure. Um, Well, I have um, have four adult children at this point, um, adults, (laughs) and um, we also have three grandchildren. So um, I'm not in the same, you know, diapers (laughs) phase. (laughs) Some of your listeners might be in. Right. Um, but um, but I remember that very well, <laughs> and uh, I get to re-experience it with the grandkids, um, right? In a way, and it's it's actually really really fun uh, to have grandkids. So um, anyway, and um, with my husband Art, we um, wrote. Let's see, we co-authored I think six books. Um, let's see, we had the temperament God gave you, the temperament God gave your spouse, the temperament God gave your kids, the emotions God gave you. And then we wrote uh, a book on, um, we edited a book on marriage. And then we did a book called Tuned In. That's our latest one. Um, And that is about, um, well, the subtitle is The Power of Pressing Pause and Listening. Mm. So um, that's not exactly on temperament, but it does kind of relate to it. It seems to all kind of relate <laughs> all right. these things. Yeah. So, um, and then we kind of discovered the temperaments. Um, oh gosh, like our kids were already, you know, getting, getting older, you know, like maybe they were I'm trying to think the youngest was maybe four or something when, when we started discovering it. But, um, it, but for the older ones, it was kind of like, Oh, I wish I'd known about this earlier. So right. uh, a lot of times when we, give talks on, on it. Um, people come up to us and they say, ah, my kids are all grown. I wish I'd heard about this before. So we really do like sharing the, the concept with parents because we really think it helps in parenting. It really alleviates a lot of, um, conflicts that, that can sometimes kind of just be frustrating you in your, in your life, in your family life. Mm. So uh, when you discovered the temperaments, did you know right away that it was going to be like a part of your life's work <laughs> with uh, with writing? And how, how did that come about? Kind of not immediately. I didn't immediately know it's, um, but I knew that it, w- it was kind of like one of those like incredible aha moments though. 
So mm. when I discovered them, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so brilliant. And the way it happened, actually, I was reading a book called Spiritual Theology, <laughs> believe it or not. And there was one chapter in there. Um, it was written by a Dominican priest. And one chapter in there talked about temperaments related to the spiritual life. Mm. And I was like so blown away because it so captured my problems in the spiritual life. But then I started thinking about it and I shared it with my husband and he is a, um, he's a therapist, a marriage and family therapist by profession. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and he, um, he immediately saw the applications to, to parenting and family life and spouse, you know, cause he would see couples in therapy and, um, and he was, he was like, it kind of had reminded him of stuff that he had studied when he was back in graduate school. And um, so he saw the application and then he started giving talks on the subject and then everybody got kind of fired up. Yeah. <laughs> all the people we knew, we started talking about it. Like, what's your temperament? <laughs> and uh, so we didn't, you know, immediately see the, the fact that we were going to write all these books about it, but we did see that it was a really significant concept and very life-changing actually. Mm. It's interesting mm-hmm. because um, I didn't, someone had told me about the temperaments and it's that excitement that you're talking about. Once someone realizes how how helpful it is to understand, you know, the temperament God gave you and uh, they just want to share it with everyone. <laughs> so I remember when uh, someone first started talking to me about it and she was, you know, trying to help me figure out what my temperament might be and um, encouraging me to read the book and, um, so it's it's funny because there is that excitement that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for those those who aren't already familiar, could you give us a brief overview of the different temperaments? Well, sure. Um, and I should preface this by saying that temperament is not the whole of our personality. Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to put anybody in a box. You know, it's right. actually that part of your personality that you're born with. So. We, kind of, we like to think of it as the temperament God gave you, you know, to sort of start you off with your budding personality. Even babies have a temperament, mm-hmm. and they've discovered that. Um, even researchers nowadays in psychology have, you know, they've definitely discovered and shown that, that babies have temperaments. Um, and they don't talk about temperament in the way that we talk about temperament in our book, but in our books. Um, but we're using like these, this, classic kind of terminology that is sort of passed down from uh, a long history of Catholic thinkers discussing temperament in this way. So we talk about temperament in terms of the four temperaments, which are choleric or choleric, some people say, um, melancholic, phlegmatic, and sanguine. Mm -hmm. So those are the four basic temperaments but, um, and it's really kind of just a handle, like just to, to be able to keep them straight. But really what defines the differences is, is kind of like the difference in reaction. So basically what we're talking about is how people tend to react just naturally. So it's not as a result of your education or, you know, your cultural background or your birth order or any of these things. It's, it's kind of how you're hardwired. Basically, so it's kind of a you know biological thing, and uh, knowing this is actually rather freeing for most people when they discover that certain parts of the, uh, themselves, some characteristics that they have, 
are the way they God made you. Mm. You know, and then you can kind of accept yourself. Like you don't have to be constantly, you know, being frustrated with your own self if you discover that this is part of your temperament. And that by the same token, you know, you can be more forgiving and accepting of your husband. Um, because oftentimes we, our husband and, you know, may have very different temperament, than, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I always, I always start off all my talks by saying, you know, I used to think before I knew about temperaments, I used to think that my husband art was just like me, only bad. <laughs> So that it's like I just assume that everybody should be the way I am, you know. It's right. just like a really myopic way of viewing things. And so so like um I'm a very so what I my temperament is choleric sanguine. Okay. So um that's like a blend of two. So most people are a primary and a secondary. And if you want to find out your temperament, by the way, I should mention, we have a that you could go to temperamentquiz.com and I created that test for the, the, that website. And, um, it's just really simple and you just put in an email and you can get your, you can get the results right away. It's much, it's a short, shortened version of, we have a, t- a test in the book, but it's like ridiculously long and cumbersome, <laughs> but, uh, this one will give you your temperament pretty quickly. That's um, great. Anyway, I'll put that in the show notes as well yeah. for people who are interested. Yeah. So I'm cleric sanguine. My husband is um, phlegmatic melancholic. <laughs> so we're that <laughs> opposite. And um, <laughs> so some of these things that he used to do, that you, I used to think he was doing these things on purpose to annoy me or, or harass me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> me. You know, it's like honestly, like you know, I would be, I would want to have an immediate response to something. It's like I think of something, and um, you know, let's go do this tonight. Do you want to do this? And he would not answer. You know, it's like he was thinking about it, but I didn't know that. I thought he's not answering. He doesn't want to do it. He's, right. you know, he doesn't want to talk to me or something's wrong. He's mad at me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he would start a fight. You know, it's like, why aren't you talking to me? What's wrong? But did you not like that idea? Fine. I'll come up with another idea. You don't like <laughs> that idea either. What's, you know, and meanwhile, the poor guy is just still thinking about the first thing, you know? Right. Oh, funny. <laughs> So I have quick and intense reactions because that's part of the choleric. He has very slow and he's slow to respond because he ha- he's thinking about things. He's thinking it through. Um, so in terms of reactions, the choleric is, has very quick and intense reactions and they tend to be kind of your type A personality. You know, they're, they're kind of the ones that, you know, they're very, you know, come up with an idea really quickly and let's go forward, move, you know, move out, you know, come on troops. Uh, let's go, let's do this. Everybody fall in line. Uh, they tend, you know, the, the negative side is they, they can sometimes be a little bit bossy. They can be the bullies, the, um, they're, you know, very stubborn, um, driven to follow through, very persevering and that sort of thing. Um, so then this, the next type of temperament, um, to talk about would be like the exact opposite to that, which would be the phlegmatic. So that temperament is very even killed. So not an intense responder, you know, very low key, very calm, very um, slow to respond, wants to think things through. Um, but, but a really, really um, likable, <laughs> likable temperament, you know, where the choleric sometimes really annoys you because <laughs> we can be, we can be annoying, <laughs> um, like we persistent, and we don't drop that idea. You know, we just keep. 
going forward, plowing, plowing ahead. Um, the phlegmatic is a real team player. Um, mm. So they don't, they don't need to take charge. They like to sit back. They'll take direction. They're very compliant. They're very easygoing. Um, you know, it's like we always say, you know, if you, ha- if, you know, you're having kids and you haven't yet had a phlegmatic child, you should keep on trying <laughs> because they are the best. I mean, they're the ones who just like, you know, they just do everything you say. They're very docile. They're very easygoing. Um, you know, we used to like, sometimes we'd forget our phlegmatic child when he was little, you know, he was like, we'd walk off, everybody leave, you know, we all left the store and like, wait. Where's Ray? <laughs> back in the store, he's playing with the toys or something quietly, you know. Right. <laughs> lining up, he'd be lining up his his little matchbox cars, you know, like <laughs> playing, very peaceful, never caused any trouble. And in fact, they they're the one they're of conflict avoidant. So, like every every temperament, I should say, has kind of like their own strengths and their own weaknesses, you know. Mm, so yeah. It's, maybe of the choleric is that they are the leaders. The weaknesses are they, they're very, they, they struggle with um, humility. They struggle with docility. So they're, they're not very docile. They don't like to take orders. Um, they struggle with empathy. And phlegmatic on the other hand is very, um, very empathic and very, um, very humble by nature. Just naturally they have that virtue. Um, they're very easygoing, as I already said, they tend to be the peacemakers and they're trying to make peace in your family. Um, and then the, the next kind, the next temperament is the, the sanguine and the sanguine is your classic people person. So mm. you know, instantly recognizable, the one who's very extroverted, um, life of the party, the very bubbly, very enthusiastic, optimistic, uh, impulsive. So they have the quick and intense reactions, but not long-lived reactions. So that makes them very, you know, enthusiastic and energetic, and they're diving into things. Let's do that. Yes, let's. Do- oh, that sounds awesome. But then they kind of <laughs> follow through, right? So they, right. they're like, you know, they're the person who volunteers for everything, and then they forget to show up. You know? <laughs> they get overloaded with their volunteering. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're wonderful, they're wonderful friends, but they maybe don't listen quite as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got great ideas, always coming up with something. Um, you want them on your marketing team, you know, that's, yeah, <laughs> they're great. right. And if you have a sanguine child, it's the one who's always talking. I mean, they, <laughs> <laughs> they really never stop talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe when they get to be a little bit older, they do, you know, they become a little bit more self-aware, but, um, so the virtue that the sanguine struggles with is, um, is actually perseverance and follow through, um, self-control. Um, the sanguine child is the one who's, you know, they're always running out of the house, you know, they forget something, they come back in, you know, they forgot, mm-hmm. their, they forgot their, to get that permission slip signed. They forgot to get their, uh, you know, their gym bag or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of, um, you know, getting frustrated with this, you kind of realize, you know what, this is their temperament. Mm-hmm. They really are. And they will grow out of it. And you can also help them by training them in virtue, which is kind of like what we talk about in, in our book, The Temperament God Gave Your Kids. We try to give ideas that parents can do you know, with their young children to sort of help them grow in those virtues that are going to be the most difficult for them to attain mm-hmm. because of their temperament. Right. And everybody is going to have 
certain virtues that are our most difficult to attain. Um, and then the final one is the melancholic, which is the exact opposite to the sanguine. Mm -hmm. So where the sanguine is very optimistic and very um, impulsive and very outgoing um, and very, you know, happy-go-lucky, the melancholic is actually rather pessimistic. They're um, very cautious to start out things. They're very... They think things through very carefully, very detail-oriented. Um, you know, they they are happy with one friend. They are not, you know, outgoing. They're, they're rather introverted. Um, and so they're just the, the opposite to the sanguine. Um, mm. And they, uh, so they're kind of the ones that have the, they have very intense reactions, but they're very, it's very slow to, to sort of, uh, make itself known. Like, so like something could happen and it sort of goes into the, in, into the depths of their soul, so to speak. Mm. And it takes a really long time to resonate, but it, then also they hold on to that. So, um, one of the, the, this book that we read a long time ago, um, was written by a, gosh, in 1935, um, by a priest. He wrote about the different temperaments and he was saying that the melancholic is like, it's like driving a stake into the ground. It's like with each blow, it goes further into the ground. So it's like the melancholic, something could happen if you have a melancholic child. Something could happen and they may not respond, but that is, there's something could be going very, very deep into mm. their psyche. And, and it could be, something could be really bothering them. And they may not tell you, but it could be very wounding. So with the melancholic child, I think you have to be very careful. And, you know, we, we say it's like, you don't want to make a mistake with your melancholic child or bring it up like 20 years later. Remember that time I was unjustly sent to my room when it was really, you know, my brother who did this thing, you know, no, or... But, but like, so we, we try to talk about it and like, we would like, with so we have one of each temperament. And so we would, we would say, we would ask the melancholic and I was like, remember that time we did this? Oh, we really blew it. You know, I'm really sorry about that. Is, is that okay? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but they're very sensitive. I mean, mm. they're the ones who go on to be, you know, priests and artists and, um, therapists and you know they just they have that that very deep old soul yeah. <laughs> um, and then the sanguine is like it just bounces off oh they forgive it's like yeah no problem you know mm, right yeah, yeah that's good so um I as I so I read the temperament God gave you uh you know years ago but then I just mm -hmm. read the temperament God gave your kids and I was thinking about my kids. So I have, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and my two-year-old son, um, we think is a melancholic and something you read, uh, something you wrote, um, in the book about, um, them needing to have plenty of time to think and, you know, process the day and how they need their quiet private space. We're already seeing that like in our two-year-old. And I know you said even as early as babies, you can see that, Yeah. but he'll be outside playing and just need, you know, his space for a while before coming in for the evening. <laughs> and, you know, oh. we'll just watch him out the side door and he just, you know, is pushing around his little dump truck and perfectly oh. content, just kind of on his own. And, <laughs> and, um, 
later later you wrote about how um when you ask a uh, a melancholic child to to do something sometimes it could seem as if they just aren't listening to you or maybe are like deliberately not responding to you but that it's actually part of their personality to really like soak it in or they might even be dwelling on you know something else you said in that same question you know that has just impacted them and yeah so it's been really neat seeing that in in my son and starting to realize um some of those things and then my daughter lucy is uh is four and we think Uh she's a sanguine and I read in the book, uh, because right now they're sharing a room, and you said in the book that it's basically a recipe for disaster. Right. <laughs> a sanguine yeah. and a melancholic in the same room. Oh, my gosh. Especially as they get older. And right. probably if they, it, it might even be, it might be okay, right? Well, I don't know. Yeah, they're doing okay gonna... right now, actually. So yeah, as they get older, actually, it's good to be aware but, of. Yeah. But I mean, like, um, yeah, we had a... I have a Lucy also. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, like the sanguine will be like, like if you had two girls, I would be like total disaster. Like you know, <laughs> the, the, the sanguine would be stealing the melancholic's clothes and the melancholic would have meltdowns over it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and it would be like, what's the problem here? You know? Right. <laughs> oh, funny. Your you know? Right. Yeah. No, I think that's really, uh, yeah, that's a good point to make that sometimes when the melancholic doesn't respond, it's not that they're being, um, you know, they're not being obedient, let's say. And, you know, mm-hmm. something that, you know, parents get all upset about obedience, you know, all the time, it seems to me. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, maybe rightly so. But I mean, it's just that sometimes you look, if you look at it from the child's point of view, they weren't being disobedient. They were actually thinking about what you said. And yeah, like it's, and especially for the melancholic, um, and sometimes even even the phlegmatic will exhibit that trait um, where they're Mm -hmm. just like, they're processing. Um, And so, you know, it's, um, and sometimes even with the older melancholic, something to watch out for is that their first reaction is going to be no. Mm. And, saying no not out of disrespect or disobedience to you but because they foresee this being something disastrous like they Mm. like you would like with a old with the older melancholic we we would you know like do you want to do this do you want to go you know um i think we should go to what was it oh there was one thing like, you know, you should sign up for the school play. You know, I know this would be really a great thing for you to do. I know you'd like it. No, um, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and why doesn't the person want to do it? Well, because she's afraid. It's not It's not because she really doesn't want to. It's, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, there's, there's all these, like, little um, nuances, I think, mm-hmm. um, especially with, I would think, the melancholic, um, mm-hmm. because they're kind of that deep internal – you know, the wheels are turning in their, in their brains, Um, but you may not know what it is they're thinking. And so it's always good to kind of draw it out. And in fact, what we started, I mean, I would really recommend like the, like when you go, when you put them to bed, you know, and that's, that's always the time where they kind of relax and, you know, maybe you read a story um, and you say the prayers and then you could talk about stuff then, and they feel they're more open then and they can like, Mm. maybe they've, 
by that time they've sort of processed the day and they can tell you stuff at that point, you know, like what went on and, you know, what did they feel about this or that um, hmm. that's time to do that. That's good. That's good advice. Some Something funny that we've noticed about um, my daughter, which, you know, after reading this book, I realized maybe that's just part of her temperament is um, she will say, uh, for example, she'll, we'll be in the kitchen, I'll be making dinner and she'll, you know, force a little fake laugh. And then she'll say, um, Hey mom, can you say what's so funny, Lucy? <laughs> like She wants me to ask her, you know, what she's laughing about, or she'll have like a little fake cry and she'll say, Hey mom, can you say, uh, what are you sad about Lucy? <laughs> oh. so she just, she, she just like tells you Right up front. Right. Right. That's her. Exactly. And so it was interesting reading about how, um, you know, attention is kind of like a a prime motivator for uh, sanguine. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been really helpful for me to realize that like, oh, she maybe, you know, during throughout the day, she just wants me to ask her more often, like, (laughs) about what she's feeling and and what she's doing. Yeah. So I thought that was a a funny little thing about her. So I wanted to have you, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I wanted to have you maybe guess my temperament. And I was going to tell you a little story and maybe see if you'd be able to to pick it out. So um, I, so this is a story from early on in our, our marriage. I had this realization um, after I had read the temperament God gave you, um, my husband and I both really enjoy board games. And so we play a lot of board games, but I told him that if he was interested in like hiking or running, those are also things I enjoy. So I'd be like, if he was interested in hiking, I think we'd go hiking all the time. <laughs> um, and Ooh. I'd be happy doing that. Okay, I'll give wow. you one. I'll give you one more that might <laughs> that might be helpful. Yeah, one more little tiny clue. <laughs> okay, so um, something that's been interesting in doing this podcast, I've realized that. Um, a f- one of my main fears in doing the podcast is that I might come across as maybe like lukewarm or kind of wishy-washy about things. Um, not necessarily about issues of faith, but maybe issues about, you know, motherhood or marriage, uh, just because I feel like it takes me a while to kind of form my my thoughts and opinions on, on things. Mm-hmm. Oh, so are you phlegmatic? I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I was telling my husband when I read the temperament book, I said, you know, I think because I'm phlegmatic, I just, because you really enjoy board games, you know, I like them. I'm happy to play them. But if you really like yeah. hiking, like I, I think I'd enjoy that too. <laughs> and um, yeah. it was just funny. But you're not forcing the issue. You're not, right. you're, you're willing to go along. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. I was wavering between, I was thinking you might be part sanguine too. I like am. When, yes. I think that's my secondary. You feel like phlegmatic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great time to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because yeah. my husband is um, primary, primarily melancholic and uh, melancholic phlegmatic. And um, <gasps> so it's, it's, it's it, a little funny story about that is um, everyone on my side of the family has some kind of sanguine, whether they're like primarily sanguine or uh-huh. secondarily sang- sanguine. Right. And Cameron is not sanguine at all. And so... Um, family dinners, you know, when we'll have a, 
you know, a dinner with my parents and, you know, my siblings are around. It's just, you know, everyone's talking and we're transitioning from like topic to topic. And it's hard for my husband to like keep up sometimes. And he's still thinking about the topic from before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny that's really funny I was actually gonna guess melancholic when you said he didn't like hiking oh Only be- funny yeah that doesn't I don't know I I don't think that really is a I mean I don't think that's a thing but I was just I was only gonna guess I don't know why right I, only because that some melan some melancholics that I know don't yeah <laughs> don't. You know what you could just see them sitting there reading just loving their books and right <laughs> have- sure <laughs> well, happily sitting by the fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny because another thing is my husband, you know, of the two of us, he tends to get sick more often. And mm. he was reading that that might be also a temperament thing that melancholics tend to be sick more often. Um, I don't know how true that is or your thoughts on that, but. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think if anybody is going to be. Um, a little hypochondriac gold, it might be the melancholic. Though. Right. <laughs> but, but but actual sickness too. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> right. Oh, funny. funny. Yeah. Um, so you cover this a lot in the, in the book, you know, the temperament God gave your kids, but I, I, I'd love to ask you for people who are listening now, um, how would you say that understanding our individual temperament helps us to care for, um, even ourselves better, you know, our families better, but also care for our, ourselves better. Right. And I think that that's, um, it's really important because, um, sometimes we, and especially moms, I think, um, we're, when you're right in the middle of all this busyness with raising small children and, um, we can sometimes, um, I think put a little too much pressure on ourselves and think that we have to be everything to everybody. And, and I know St. Paul says that, um, you know, <laughs> I'm all, but in, I don't think that as sometimes I think moms take it the wrong way mm. and we we have to be perfect mm-hmm. and we compare ourselves to other people, other moms. And we also want to just, you know, just, do it all. And, and, and we, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And one of the ways that I think, um, it's just kind of a small way, but understanding your temperament, it, it allows you to say, you know what, I have certain special gifts and talents and, but I don't have all of them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And because of our temperament, it's like, we kind of, we can appreciate the fact that, um, I have this strength, but I also have this weakness. Mm. And that doesn't mean that I have to just sit here and be lazy, but it does mean you can, you can sort of, um, you can stop beating yourself up. Mm. (laughs) And I think sometimes parents, especially, but I think moms, especially, um, we tend to be a little bit harder on ourselves. I think like, well, you know, um, based on your temperament, actually, too, you might blame yourself, you know, like your, your child is exhibiting some behavior and you're like, what is wrong with, what's wrong with my child? Or maybe it's something I did. Mm. It's probably something I did, you know, and you blame yourself, but sometimes it's just a matter of temperament. And also it could be a matter of the combination of temperaments. Like you, you know, the parent with the child who has the opposite temperament. So that can often be, you know, quite a, um, 
quite, you know, conflict provoking situation um, until you kind of realize what's going on. Um, but so, for example, um, there's this great story about St. Jerome, who he had a really difficult temperament. Um, he was, he was extremely, he was probably melancholic choleric. This is what mm. I'm thinking. Or choleric melancholic. Maybe that might be worse. Um, <laughs> he, was like, he was always butting heads with people and mm. he was getting into arguments and he was just really grumpy. And he was just, and he, he just apparently got um, everybody frustrated with him. And uh, the I think it was the Pope at the time. He, he goes, look, you know, can you just get out of town? I mean, I'm just going to send you away. <laughs> and he sent him all the way to, sent him to, uh, you know, to the Holy Land. Mm. You know, so he sends him way off in, in this, and he goes out there and then he's all by himself, almost like a hermit. And that's when he started translating the Bible. Mm. And so it's, interestingly, it was through his difficult temperament that the great, his greatest work was accomplished. Mm. And a priest told us that story one time in a homily. And I just thought it was so, um, it, it was so encouraging mm-hmm. because we don't have to beat ourselves up because this is the temperament that God gave me. And mm. if he, let's say he gave me the strength to, uh, you know, maybe I'm, you know, I have that extroverted aspect. Okay. Um, and then I, you know, I might think, ah, but I really struggle with follow through. I really struggle with perseverance. And, um, you know, but instead of like feeling like, ah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really not succeeding. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible mom or whatever, you know, say, you know what, this is the temperament God gave you. I'm going to work on it and I'm going to do a little bit each day to kind of try to improve, to persevere, but I'm not going to beat myself up over it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the, the hopeful aspect of understanding temperament. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So basically I don't think anybody who, you know, nobody's ever come up to me and said, you know, thanks to you, you know, I've discovered my temperament. Now I know that I can be a temperament bully, you know? (laughs) And instead they've said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm able to forgive myself, you know, Mm. for, for these things that, um, you know, these, they, they come naturally and, um, you know, we can, we can work on improving, growing in virtue, but that's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I love that you write, um, in, I think probably in both the books where you talk about, you know, um, virtues that come, you know, more naturally to the different temperaments mm-hmm. and then virtues that we would need to work on. And then, um, and I can't remember what book this is in where you talk about, um, certain saints that have, you know, certain virtues, like you mentioned St. Jerome. And that's, that's so helpful to realize, like, not all the saints had the same temperament, you know, right. they all had different, different temperaments, and just gives hope for all, for all of us, that we can, you know, work yeah. towards those virtues. And yeah, yeah, definitely, there's saints of all different temperaments. So yeah, um, Do there's you, always, there's always hope. Yeah. Do you, do you think that um, certain temperaments better thrive as uh, stay-at-home moms as opposed to working moms? Hmm. Well, you know, that that's a good question. Um, I, I'm thinking that it is possible that, uh, that by temperament, uh, you could, you could kind of tend in one direction or the other. Um, 
so, so for example, a, a choleric, um, which like I am, mm -hmm. I really love being very active. And um, I just, I mean, I really love it to the point of it could be a little too much, you know what I mean? <laughs> I could, I tend to activism, if anything. Um, so that's a bad thing. But um, I just, I get really happy when I'm working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just want to do lots of things. <laughs> mm. uh, and I'm not very good at, at, at home. Like my, you know, my, housework is not, that's not my prime thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it actually was pretty frustrating when I was homeschooling for a very long time. And, uh, and the house was a disaster. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I was trying to, it was doing the homeschooling thing, you know, and then I was trying to do my writing, you know, on the side and then wow. all this kind of stuff. And then just ha the house started falling apart. <laughs> so, uh, but, and I, you know, and I can think of some uh, friends of mine who were homeschoolers. They were, um, in fact, this one one mom that I was thinking of today, uh, in preparing for this, you know, talking to you, mm -hmm. she was she's definitely phlegmatic. She's um, probably phlegmatic, melancholic, but her house was always neat as a pin, hmm. and she's like she always had the bread baking in the oven, and the <laughs> kids were all quiet. And I was, I remember thinking like, why is her house so quiet? My house is like, there were kids screaming and there's toys all over the floor. Well, it was, she had a bunch of phlegmatic kids because both she and her husband were phlegmatic. Wow. It was like, uh, it was so funny. And when, when the realization came, it was like, okay, I don't have to be exactly like her, mm, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's an important thing. Cause I really think that we women tend to be a little bit, you know, very impressionable when it comes to, um, other, other women and we're trying to be like them or we, we look at the, you know, we look at the Instagrams or we look at the Facebook things and we're like, ah, look at how perfect, mm -hmm. you know, look at that cool thing they did at their house and look at how nice their house. But you know what I mean? It's women, we, we, we have a little tendency to go in that direction, mm -hmm. I think, to compare. And uh, it's probably never a good thing. <laughs> compare and despair. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, friends. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, We Believers. These adorable and faith-based toys are the perfect gift for birthdays, baptisms, Christmas, Easter, and everything in between. My personal favorites are the Joseph the Carpenter tool set and Noah's Ark tub toys. They also have puzzles, games, journals, plush prayer buddies that help your kids learn to pray, toy mask kits, vocation dolls, items for Advent, and more. For 20% off your first order, join the We Believers email club at webelievers.com. That's w-e-e-believers.com. Or check out the link in today's show notes. Well, my husband and I had a, a little laugh when we were reading the section of um, the Temperament God Gave Your Kids book, uh, where it talks about, you know, your temperament as a parent. And mm -hmm. um, with my husband being melancholic and myself being phlegmatic, it was just funny relating to, you know, the different parenting styles where he's, he tends to be more of like the disciplinarian and um, more mm -hmm. firm with the rules <laughs> and that sort of thing. That's something I struggle with. Um, mm -hmm. So I was wondering, do you have any strategies or tips for um, adjusting our parenting to... Um, better care for and, you know, raise our kids with different temperaments, you know, regardless of whatever, whatever anyone's temperament might be. 
um, being able to adjust to better raise our kids with different temperaments. Yeah. Um, I do think it's important to adjust your style to the child. Um, and I know that can be difficult, especially if you have lots and lots of kids, um, you know, mm-hmm. at, at some point, like, you know, a mom of 10 is going to say, look, I don't have time for that, you know, <laughs> and I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I can totally see that. But if you, ha- if you can in the beginning, like with, when your kids are small and you only have two or three, mm-hmm. then you, you can take the time, I think, uh, to, to kind of look at them and see what, what would work in terms of discipline with, with each one of them. Um, so I, I did mention already about the melancholic, you know, they're very sensitive mm-hmm. and uh, they can be deeply wounded. Um, it, but yet with the sanguine child, you can be it a lot. It, it's, they're just much more lighthearted mm-hmm. and things tend to bounce off them. Um, and then you could have a choleric child who's very argumentative and it looks like they're very disruptive and um, they might be constantly debating, you know, everything you say and um, you get frustrated with them and you say, look, I said, we're doing this because I said so, you know, come on. You know, but, um, but then again, um, it's, and then of course you've got the phlegmatic who's always just obedient, you know, it's like, they're, they're like, you know, it's like, oh, you don't have to worry about them. Uh, they can practically parent themselves. And I mean, seriously, you know, um, we would have like, we'd be, I remember one time we were driving the car and all the kids are in the car and there were, and there was a big fight going on probably, you know, between the melancholic and the sanguine or something. And, um, and then the phlegmatic finally pipes up very quietly in the back he goes can we just all please be quiet oh <laughs> so sweet yeah. yeah oh I love oh that yeah. um but anyway I happen to be of the in the I like in the camp where it's better to give reasons than to just say, just do it because I said so. Um, because I was reading an article today um, where the mom was saying, look, children should learn to obey and they should just obey because you need to do it cheerfully and you know promptly yeah. um, because that's a wonderful virtue. And yes, it is a wonderful virtue. However, it, you know, the children don't reach, you know, the age of reason seven and suddenly full-blown reason pops into their head Mm -hmm. you know it's like they they have to come they they are developing that ability all along Mm -hmm. and so like if you if you if you give reasons you're helping your child become a rational and reasonable person by the time he's seven Mm -hmm. you know so at seven you know you you well even before that um you know um you can be discussing with your kids what you know, why you say the things you say, you know? Um, and so I'm, you know, like if you, you say, don't run in the street. Well, obviously, so you don't get hit by a car. You can, you can say that. That doesn't take that much more time. You know, um, you can explain it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and if they insist and they do it, well, then they, you, you take them, you take away their privilege of being outside, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But um, I think that reasons are very important. They're pro- they're really important with the choleric, mm. um, so because that's the child that tends to want to debate everything. But they can be won over by reason because mm. they're that's what they're 
looking for. They're actually looking for the reason. Hmm. Um, and we were just at a friend's house and they had little two, two year olds and the, and they were twins. Mm -hmm. And, um, they, I thought the, the mom did a, a remarkable job with explaining to them and they were very, and these children were very, um, you know, they didn't fly off the handle. I mean, they had their normal two-year-old things, you know, like that two-year-olds do. Mm -hmm. But um, they're tired and cranky, and then they have a meltdown. But overall, they were very, um, they were very capable of hearing explanations for things. Mm -hmm. And then they would say, "Okay, yeah, I, I won't do that thing, whatever it was that you know the mom didn't want mm -hmm. them to do." That's my thought on it. <laughs> that's great. I think that's that's so freeing as well to realize, um, you know, some of our kids might be, you know, obedience might be something that, you know, comes a little bit more naturally with their temperament. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I, yeah, I love what yeah. you said about the cleric. I mean, we don't have a cleric child now, but, uh, you know, really needing the reasoning um, in particular. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> You might be blessed with a lot of phlegmatic children or, something, or maybe <laughs> or phlegmatic melancholics. Yeah. Whatever. That's funny. I, um, I, some friends of ours, I think they had a phlegmatic child first because they were talking about how, you know, um, easy natured and, you know, just how calm yeah. their child was and how they felt like God must want us to have another child right away. Cause you know, we're, we're, we're just doing great with our, with our, with our child who's so easygoing. Um, right. so I thought that was, that was funny. As long as they don't get prideful because then God will give them a choleric. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, yeah. that's good. Um, <laughs> but I love one thing that you wrote about how Ultimately, the goal is not to attain what you want, but to enable your child to do what God wants. And um, that was really, I like underlined that like two times, because <laughs> I think that's such a, that's so great to, um, as I'm, you know, raising my kids to think about like, okay, this is not supposed to be like, you know, what's going to be easiest or the best for me, but you know, what, what's going to be most helpful right. for my child and to help them to grow, to be, you know, the person that God created them to be. So, um, I just right. love that. Well, Lorraine, I'd love to ask you, uh, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Um, well, actually I see, uh, I see him at work like pretty much every day. I think, mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's pretty remarkable. Um, when you start noticing, um, in very, you know, small ways and big ways as well. Um, but yeah, one sig very significant thing is that one of our grandchildren, so he was born, he would have died on at birth actually. Um, if they hadn't, um, if they hadn't discovered through a sonogram that he had, he didn't, he was missing a pulmonary artery. So oh, wow. he would have died as soon as he came out of the womb. And, um, but thankfully, um, they, they had had the sonogram. Mm. And so they were prepared. And so he immediately was rushed to the hospital, children's hospital. Mm. And um, he had to be hooked up. Um, so he was like hooked up for four months. Um, and he's already had three open heart surgeries. Wow. And he's had nine heart cather catheterizations. Wow. So, yeah, but I see, you see, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's just like the story of his survival is so, 
amazing. Mm. Um, I see God's work, you know, to keeping him alive and helping him thrive. Mm. And it's just truly, truly amazing. Mm. Uh, what, you know, cause we see, we, it, it's not just the doctors, but it's clearly God inspiring those doctors that to be able to fix that, that, to do that heart surgery and, um, tons of prayers, you know, were, oh my gosh, so many people mm. were praying for our grandson. Um, because at, at times it was really, I mean, he was just, his life was just, it was a thin, it was a thin little thread that mm. it was keeping him going. But um, now to see him just thriving is just so amazing. Mm. It's a true blessing, true blessing. Beautiful. I love that. Um, and what would you say is the, your favorite part of your home and why? <laughs> this is funny because we just, we basically just moved. Um, oh, about, okay. Yeah. A year ago, so um, and we're we, so we sold our big house that we had, um, you know, had raised our kids kind of for almost twenty years in that house. We downsized, mm. so we pretty much got rid of a ton of stuff. Um, probably your your listeners are not going to relate to this, but uh, so now we're in a itty bitty little townhouse that, um, and I I actually love it. <laughs> it's really fun. Day. It was very freeing to mm. downsize, get rid of all the junk that we had. We mm. had so much junk. Um, but the favorite, my favorite part of my house right now is um, is our patio because we don't even have a backyard. Oh wow! And we used to have a yard. We used to have a yard and a garden, and I grew vegetables and all this kind of stuff. But now I don't have that, and it's I have this adorable little patio with all sorts of flowers all over mm. and. Um, like a beautiful spot to go we go sit we do our morning prayers out there my husband and I mm. <laughs> it's a really lovely spot and there's giant oak trees all around and I just I love nature so <laughs> it's a great place to meditate and think about uh, think about all the blessings that God gives us mm, that's so nice I love that um, and what have you been loving recently um, what have I been loving? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I know I was actually thinking about these things ahead of time and now I can't remember what I've been, um, <laughs> um well, for sure well, your patio. <laughs> yes, my patio I, I, um, there's, there's so many things. Um, well, I want to say, uh, some books that I've been reading, but, oh, yeah. um, you asked. That's a different question that you had, so I won't. I won't oh, say that's that. okay. No, you could um, you could you could share. That'd be great. Maybe I should, yeah. Well, because you did. You were going to ask about the books, um, and I wanted to like say, uh, like really recommend the uh, a few books really really highly. Um, I really love Carol Hauslinger. Have you ever read her? No, I haven't. Oh, it's C A R Y L Carol. Okay. Hauslander. Um, she wrote the read of God and she also wrote, um, the, I think it's called the passion of the infant Jesus, hmm. but it's just, her stuff is just incredibly profound. It's beautifully written, very simple, very small books, but just so deep and beautiful. Hmm. I haven't even um, heard of her, so I will I'll oh to check my gosh, that out. Well, definitely write that down. Okay. So that's, I guess it was the Holy Spirit was telling me to 
tell you. Yeah, great. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And um, another another book that I really, really love is um, Romano Guardini, The Lord. Mm. That's a really, really good book. And uh, the other thing I wanted to recommend is um, Father Emmerich Vogt or Vot. I think it's Vogt, V-O-G-T. He's a Dominican. He has a series called Detaching with Love. Okay. And it's fantastic. Uh, it's an audio series, mm. but um, Detaching with Love because he talks about all the, the real subtle things that we get attached to. Um, whether they're like psychological things, um, emotional things that we do that kind of trip us up because mm. um, very subtly um, that kind of prevent us from being able to love mm. freely. So because we're attached to these things, we can't love in the way that God really wants us to love. And that's what it's all about is love. Mm. <laughs> so um, I do recommend uh, that as well. Um that's great. I'll have to check those out. Um, yeah. And then do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier? Um, yeah. Well, let's see. Uh, all throughout my entire like time of raising kids and, and up until now, um, I've been a runner. So um, now I'm extremely slow. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I think that's a, <laughs> that's a mom hack for me because whenever uh, – I would just go out and, and take a run. And I, I had kids and I had like the earliest versions of running strollers that were mm. really bad. They were like heavy. They probably weighed 5,000 pounds. <laughs> no, um, they're all metal. It's like now they have really super duper ones. Right. But um, And then now they even have, you know, you can put two in one. And I used to like pile them on, pile them on top of each other. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the, the reason I mention this is I think that um, aerobic exercise, or just even if you went for a walk, I think it, it, it really, um, kind of calms down like the turmoil that we can sometimes Mm. get into and we can get, we can get frustrated and we get, um, you know, stressed out or, or anxious or whatever it is like, um, going, going for a run, or going for a long walk or doing some exercise really, I think, stabilizes your emotions and keeps you keeps your emotions well balanced, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, and so I find that is like my biggest, uh, you know, the biggest thing that has helped me throughout, mm-hmm. like my, you know, because I, I, I ran like from the time I, I, I ran when I was pregnant, even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I even fell down one time when I was, <laughs> I remember, oh, no. like, because I went to the doctor and the doctor goes, you know, do you know that you're, that you're apparently you're 10, like when you're pregnant, you, um, your muscles or ligaments or whatever it is, they, they start loosening up hmm. in preparation for childbirth. So it's like, well, I didn't know that. And they go, well, that's why you fell because you were just like <laughs> over yourself. You know, yeah, it's like, you're just, <laughs> but no damage was done just to my Good. pride. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah, I I also really enjoy running. And that's something I've enjoyed, um, you know, before I had kids as well. And um, Mm -hmm. we I have a, you know, a double, double jogging stroller now, which is so convenient, because I can do it with (laughs) my kids. So um, I'll have to figure out when we have when we have more kids in the future. I don't know exactly what that'll look like. But (laughs) we'll, we'll see. So but I, I do find that when I do run, I have 
um, you know, a clearer mind when I get back, I'm more focused and better able to love people. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Good. Well, thank you so much, Lorraine. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for all the moms listening today. Thank you for the unique temperaments you've given each of us and our families. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to discern the temperaments of ourselves and our spouses and children so that we can better love and care for and encourage them and uh, so that we can grow in virtue um, ourselves, Lord, as we journey towards you. And we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you found this episode with Lorraine as helpful as I did. I love how Lorraine talked about how understanding our own temperaments, our family members' temperaments, and the interactions between all those temperaments can help us to start to see our God-given strengths and also areas in our lives that we might need to work on, and how it can also help us to block that comparison trap with other moms, realizing that Who God created me to be is different than who he created you to be, and celebrating that instead of falling into despair. You can learn more about the temperaments and start to discover what your own temperament might be at temperamentquiz.com, or check out the links for everything we've talked about, including Art and Lorraine's books, in the show notes for today's episode. Thanks for listening in today, friends. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.